Penn State bye week, middle of the week. We're here with Nate Bauer because not only is it the middle of the bye week, it's the middle of the season. So we're doing a bit of a mid-season update for Penn State football. Nate Bauer, senior editor of Blue White Illustrated with me to break things down, give a little perspective on what we've seen so far. Penn State still a top five team after their first loss of the season to Iowa, five and one. But some pretty key injuries on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, I know everyone's focusing on Sean Clifford. Both sides of the ball had some problems uh, to some very thin areas of depth, including P.J. Mustafer. So because of that, I think you get a very different feeling going into this week than you might have after a standard loss in the middle of a good season and a good run. So, Nate, first off, welcome to the show. Secondly, how should Penn State fans feel about the season so far how should they feel about the first half of the season and how they feel about going forward so so thank you for having me first of all uh i i want to offer a, a quick correction you said top five team they're number eight now so okay they just you know I, you don't want to i meant top 10 team sorry i meant top 10 <laughs> they were a top 10 team Listen, you're going to have some complaints if you go with top five. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I know. They were a top um, five team. They are now a top ten team still. Yeah. Yes, they are. No. Yeah. So anyway, um, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's 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 it is it is it's not that they lost the game to Iowa. It's that they lost the game to Iowa and had not just one. I mean. Yes, Sean Clifford is the one that everyone wants to know about uh, in terms of his injury status, but PJ Mustafer, if he comes back this year, like, I mean, I'm not playing doctor here, but it, right, if he comes back this year, that would be stunning. Yeah. Um, I mean, the way I looked at it was his injury, the way it played out when I watched it back on film, looked a lot like what happened to Saquon Barkley two years ago. So just go back and look at what happened to Saquon and what that injury was. That's kind of what I thought when I saw it happen. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, that's devastating. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's a, that's a huge, huge deal for him. The person who is a phenomenal human being. Yep. Um, but certainly for the team as well, for the defense and, and what they want to do. Um, I, I mean, I don't think it means that they can't continue to have success and continue to do like, it's not like they don't have depth. And I think that some of those guys acquitted themselves fairly nicely um, in his absence on Saturday, but yeah, it's 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 this strange moment of having the bye be in the exact middle of the season. Yep. And and then coming off of this game and and this situation, right? So it sets up the next two weeks toward Illinois of and, and I think that this is the conversation for us today is who is this Penn State team? Yeah. Right? Like who who are they? What are they going to be? And can they be what the trajectory said they wanted to be for the first six games of the season? Because right. my argument now is that they can't. And it's not, it's not like I'm not sitting here and saying that Sean Clifford is definitely going to be out for the rest of the season. Yeah. I, I think I am saying that I think PJ Mustafer is going to be out for the rest of the season. But how how does any amount of time lost for those guys? dictate what they're able to do moving forward so uh this is being recorded before we go to practice tonight but i'm gonna ask you now anyway in my most faux journalism uh way possible do you have an update on sean clifford and his injury because 
if you could find that information somewhere concrete on the internet, you would make a lot of money right now. So what sure. is your update on the status of Sean Clifford? He left the game Saturday. I don't know if you're aware of this and did not return. <laughs> um, so no, beyond that, beyond that, I, I don't. Um, certainly, I think that uh, if you're if you're watching this, if you're a Blue White Illustrated uh, subscriber or follower, then yeah, there's been some swirling speculation. Um, doesn't look like a shoulder. Doesn't look like a concussion. Doesn't yeah. look like a leg. Right. He he kind of grasped at his rib cage area. Yeah. Um, on the way off the field, and so if 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 we're going to hypothesize that that would be where I would probably land is that yeah. it, it it appears to me to be some something related uh to that that's kind of where you know watching the film and kind of working through during the game watching uh, the shots of sean clifford on the sideline didn't have an arm sling so right. you know he was moving his shoulders he was crossing his arms all of those things so not that it couldn't be and uh, again, neither of us are doctors, yeah, right. but it, it seems highly improbable that it was a shoulder injury to his non-throwing shoulder that he landed on, and that it was probably something in his midsection. So then again, if you just go back to the film, he landed on his shoulder and he was contacted in this area. So <laughs> one right. of two things you well, would think. It's 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 kind of funny. Um, I Iowa, their their rivals website in our network has a wildly entertaining message board and one of the things one of the things that they were talking about that that i thought was like awesome is that they you know look like james franklin has this reputation as being so secretive about injuries mm -hmm. and they were giving props to clifford for not like <laughs> at the the for having the, a broken shoulder, but walking around without a sling correct. so that we didn't know what it was. Correct. It was awesome. <laughs> it so, was P like, so PJ Mustafer coming out on crutches and, and clearly having a lower body injury. But, you know, that's not that's not real either then. Well, yeah. I he mean, has a hand it, injury, but, the, you know, crutches. The, 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 the booing and that thing was like a separate conversation. This yeah. was, oh, my goodness. Sean Clifford is so tough and they are so committed to not letting people know what injuries are that they want to keep people guessing for the future. And so they're willing to send this guy back out to the sideline completely uniced on anything, no sling, no nothing. Um, you know, it, it was just it, so like, no, I, I don't. I don't think he has a shoulder thing. I don't think it's a wrist. Like if he if he had a broken wrist, you we would know it. Like it would be show me the obvious. aliens. That's yeah, what right? that's the vibe I'm getting. Is show me where the aliens are from this conspiracy theory. <laughs> Jeez. So, <laughs> it was it was it was nice. It was fun. Um, <sighs> so no, I mean I I I think that uh, look like if if we're gonna if we're gonna run with the ball and say that we're completely hypothesizing about ribs as being the potential culprit for him, then, yeah. you know, then I think, it, I think it means two things. One is that we will see him play football for Penn state again this season. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, right. That's, that is not a uh, season ending injury necessarily at the midpoint of the season. 
Uh, however, it means that Ohio State for Penn State in three weeks, which is now less than three weeks, it's two and a half weeks, yeah. becomes becomes right like right That's up against that time. Real right question. Yeah. Right. And so, um, so yeah, no, that's, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm landing on this. And I like just about everybody else will be working diligently to pin down something solid, but knowing Penn state and knowing how secretive that the program keeps these things, um, you know, certainly I think that's going to be uh, a challenge to come by. Yeah. Uh, so that leads into a conversation I had yesterday. Uh, yesterday on the BWI Daily Edition about what the offense should look like under Taquan Roberson and how you get some more efficiency out of all parts, which had not been operating super efficiently. But kind of the conversation about if Sean Clifford is out for a significant period of time, some important games, what does the offense look like and how do you make it work? And this is something that I think you and I arrive to kind of independently, but the same conclusion is the identity of the offense has to change. What are your thoughts on what they need to do and how they need to operate with Taquan Roberson under center? Well, I, I think that this is this is the foundation of where I come out on this is that we just watched a team without an offense beat Penn State with right like that Iowa Iowa's game plan and I was off it right like one of the things that you were talking about for Iowa's quarterback was how uh how strong the dictate was to him from Iowa's coaching staff to not turn the ball over to yeah. right like if you don't see it on your first read throw the ball into the stands right like I mean I think that it, I'm paraphrasing you but well, I think not that the, was not the, the first read but if anything is threatening the ball throw it away. I mean, on a third and eight, you're down 10 points in the third quarter against a top, a top five team. He threw four yards on third and eight to the right. sideline for a completion so they could set up a closer field goal by four yards. So okay. yes, like the conservatism runs deep. Yes. But, but what I'm, what I'm suggesting very strongly here is that between that and between what we saw Penn State do last year, Mike Yersich or Kirk Shiraka, it doesn't really matter. This is something that has trended throughout James Franklin's tenure. John Donovan had to do it. Uh, when you're handcuffed, when that position or, or whatever, it's not even necessarily just that position, but when you are handcuffed offensively, you need to simplify. You yeah. need to, you need to create something that, you feel confident in that is not going to lose the game for you. Mm -hmm. And the thing that Penn state has going for it this season. And the thing that look like there was a, a nice balance. I'm not going to call it perfect, but there was a nice balance of complimentary football that Penn state was playing. And yeah. that was, that was kind of my whole thrust of the first six games was it wasn't like the offense was so dominant that it was making up for the sins of special teams or defense. Yeah. And, and the same could be true of those two units. It wasn't as though special teams and defense were making up for the sins of the offense, right? It was just, it, none of it blew you away necessarily, but it just, it just all it worked fairly. It all worked. It yeah. all, it all meshed fairly well together. I think, and, and this is my, 
proposition is now, now Brent Pry's defense has to be better than good. Now, yeah. now, now Joe Lorig's special teams have to be better than good. So here's, uh, Joel- here's a part of that that comes out of that game as well is it, it wasn't just Sean Clifford and we have touched on PJ Mustafer, but uh, Jonathan Sullivan didn't come back into the game. And yep. this is where I'm confused. And I don't want to step on this hornet's nest again, but did the Iowa <laughs> coaching staff not watch film? Because if you've watched any Penn State film this year, you've seen Jaquan Brisker go down in almost every single game with a shoulder injury. He's got a yep. reoccurring shoulder injury. So your yep. best player is not 100% and has not been since the first game of the season. So how can you expect that defense and the special teams with Sutherland as the captain there to then be elite when they're losing pieces? I, I am. I, I don't want to do it, but... It, it almost it, we'll see what happens in terms of what James Franklin says tonight, responding to Kirk Ferentz and what he said yesterday about about you know he knows that a few players were injured. Penn State lost five guys from right like five players came out of starters came out of the game and didn't return. Yeah. Uh, now now granted there were more injury timeouts than those five. Uh, Ak. Mm-hmm. Uh, went down, and and to me, I think that's the one that is being debated the most uh, hotly right yeah. now, right? And that's right, and that's the one where the the sideline footage showed um, uh, Lavar Woods, the uh, Iowa's special teams coach, pantomiming falling to the ground. I don't know if you saw that. Like, yes, he, yeah, right. So I mean, you know, just but there was also accompanying footage showing Ebiketti limping on the prior play so like right i'm i i don't what i don't understand with all of this is it it happened right like the the booing happened james franklin took issue with it he addressed that for kirk ferentz to come back and kind of double down on that and to like to not just kind of blow past that question and move on i will won the game whether they have suspicions or not which I, i think are probably more challenging to justify than they like when you watch the film, you see these things. Like yeah. I, w- I was at the game. I, I saw like uh, Jaquan Brisker having a shoulder looked at is something that's happened every game this season. It yeah. feels like. Yeah. And by the way, <laughs> by the way, uh, the next play that he was on the field, he was taking on a screen with the opposite shoulder. I mean, so I don't want to spend forever on this topic because all we're going to yeah. do is 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 get the trolls super excited to talk about this again because every other reasonable person has, I, I feel, well, maybe not. Maybe not everyone has moved on because it's Wednesday and we're still talking about this, but it is a bit ridiculous. It is a bit ridiculous. And I, to me, the Kirk Ferentz thing yesterday, that's just knowing where your bread is buttered. That's just not wanting to throw your fans under the bus. Because he also said, like, part of his, it was kind of a wild accusation of we know it happens places. It's like, right. great, it happens places. Have you right. ever seen Penn State do that before? Like, right. you and I cover Penn State football. I've never seen that happen. I've never yeah. seen them go, like, oh, okay, yeah, they're playing Purdue and they want to slow down the passing attack. So th- somebody's coming up with a cramp. Like yeah, I yeah, I I, I, I don't know. I, I, to me, like to me, the bottom line on this is Penn State had a lot of players that were injured. 
like, like that's like, the real takeaway we need to have, right? That's what well, we need to like, be talking about for the future is who's healthy. <laughs> well, like, right. Like that's the thing is like, I'm not, I'm not sitting here today being like, well, you know, uh, after Penn state faked all those injuries, I have no doubt that all these guys are going to be back <laughs> next week. Like right now in my yeah. mind, I'm saying exactly what you just said. Like who, who is actually healthy on this team? Because, uh, it, it, uh, in terms of Murphy's law, it went as bad for Penn State as it possibly could have gone on Saturday. Yeah. There, there was no, <laughs> there was no redemption of, oh well, they lost, but at least they came out of it healthy. It was they lost, and so many critical pieces of their identity are now in question. Yeah, are now in question of of yep. what they're going to look like moving forward. So, yep. we'll so see. How, that that it, it still begs the question of even even a guy who came back into the game, Devon Ellis, had an elbow brace that was wrapped in that game. So, I mean, just if you're coming back into the game with an elbow brace, some sort of hyperextension happened. You don't have any defensive tackles really that you can rely on outside the guys that you have currently with Hakeem Beeman not playing this season. So yep. how do you build that team that can support Taquan Roberson? That's been one of my biggest questions. And this is something I was digging through some of the midseason conversations about the running game. And again, yesterday I talked about this of how you fi- how I would fix the running game, simplify some of get rid of some of the systems that aren't really working well. But one area I didn't talk about is Kevon Lee. 14 missed tackles is most on the team. Uh, Force missed tackles. He is uh, averaging the most yards after contact, double that of, essentially double that of Noah Kane, who has more carries than Kevon Lee. Most yards per carry, most 10-plus runs, most 15-plus yard runs. How do you get him to play more consistently, and how do you get him to be the guy that is doing that on every play? Because right now the consistency is the clear issue because the production has not been the issue. He's been the most productive back. Well, so, so here's my question and, and uh, yeah, I'm answering your question with a question, but I think that, you know, the answer to this, does the calculus change for Penn state given a, a different set of circumstances that would say, okay, well, the passing game can't be what it was previously. Right. And so because of the passing game being what it was, because because of the offense, because of Penn State's offense having the identity that it did, it needed certain well-roundedness out of its backs. Yeah. Like that, it needed, it needed, uh, you, you couldn't just be good at one thing or a couple of things. You needed to be good at all of them or, you, or, or that seemed to me to be where Penn State was trending was, Noah King couldn't do certain things uh, at the level necessarily as Kevon Lee running the ball. He he wasn't going to be that home run threat, and he wasn't he wasn't getting the yards per carry. But he was doing all of the other little things better. Yeah, and and g- gave them this picture of somebody who um, was a better option there. Well, now I'm wondering if if that hasn't changed. If now it doesn't become an yeah. easier decision to say, okay, well, here are. The things that Lee doesn't do well, but we we need the things that he does do well more than they need the things that he doesn't do well. Yeah. Um, and I mean that's maybe a stupid way, way to phrase it. I don't know, but I, I mean it's it, it's a it, fair it's a fair point. Uh, but here's the other thing about the game: if if the second half of Iowa 
was a template for this offense going forward. And and this is this I'm going to follow up this question this statement with a question about that particular game plan. They were down to can you get 3 yards? They, right. It wasn't about scoring. It wasn't about conversions. It wasn't about advanced analytics. They were down to get two yards or three yards on first down and then second down, and then hopefully we set up a third and manageable, and then the tight end dropped the ball. Uh, yep. And it was almost working, but that's what they yep. needed out of their running backs, and Kevon Lee and Noah Kane in that situation were providing that, but to win games, they're going to need a little bit more. But the question yep. then becomes, is that actually the template of what they should do? Or is there something, because Taquan Roberson was put into a, a really bad situation for a backup quarterback, with two weeks of practice, again, assuming Sean Clifford is not going to be there for the near future, will the offense operate differently under better circumstances? Is there more for Roberson to give Penn State's offense? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, I, I mean, look, like uh, this conversation keeps happening of, well, why wasn't Roberson more prepared? Why, why wasn't he? Why isn't he better? And I just think that it's a fallacy to think that most programs, not saying all, but most programs are going to suffer a decrease in production offensively when their backup quarterback is forced into the game. <laughs> no, no, like very few people, very few programs have backup quarterbacks that are as good as the starter or even really very close to as good as the starter. Yeah. And, yeah. and we're, and we're talking about like, he's really the third string quarterback. He's the third yeah. string quarterback from the 2020 season who moved up by default. And I, I should add, and I've talked about this in a couple other places this week who missed most of last year. He didn't even practice for most of last year. He was hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was hurt through the 2020 season. So, yeah. so like on top of all the COVID stuff last year was a developmental wash for tons of players. Not just, I'm not saying like, Oh, that this guy in particular, I'm saying most of that true freshman and redshirt freshman class, the guys who were not active participants already, the Parker Washington's uh, Keandre Lambert Smith, most of the guys who weren't, in that mix lost that year. It just wasn't there. The, the, the productivity was not there. The development was not there for those guys. So to expect him right now to with again, another offensive coordinator, a third offensive coordinator in his three years, like it's just, it's a fool's errand, but this is where I think Mike Yersage should make his money. Yeah. And, and should, and should like, this is, this is what he is here to do. This is what he is at Penn State to be able to accomplish is when circumstances are ideal, make it work, right? Yep. And, and be and, great. Be and great. Be, and, and be great. But when things aren't ideal, when things go awry, figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> figure it out. And like yeah. he he is capable of doing that. I think that he has already demonstrated that he's capable of doing that. I think yeah. he demonstrated at Wisconsin. I think he demonstrated against Auburn. Uh, and those were with all of the pieces that you would expect to have. But I'm just saying the notion of being able to shift identity, to work with what you have, work, work within the construct of everything that you've already worked on, and then make adjustments from there and find the formula that is going to work with Taquan Roberson, 
I think he is capable of doing that. I think Penn State is capable of doing that. And I think Taquan Roberson is capable of doing that. It's just a matter of you've got the notion of trying to do a two-week cram session is wrong. Mm -hmm. It's not a a two-week cram session. It is a two weeks of seeing where you're at, knowing what you are, what you do well, what you don't do well. Yep. And then... And then creating a game plan based on that. So that is kind of, you know, in my in my film study, that's what I said is you would craft a different game plan for your fifth year senior quarterback than you would for uh, he's, he's a redshirt sophomore at this point who yes. who has not, as you pointed out, had a ton of development with the same guy and right. installing a new offense and all the other variables that we got into earlier this week on the show. Those are all, you know, uh, to a degree, a part of the story. You're going to craft something entirely different, and you would craft a different game plan for him going into that Iowa game. So he was trying to operate a game plan that he was not, it was not tailor made to him. And you're going to have to tailor make something for Taquan Roberson. I would push back on the idea, and this is one thing that we heard a lot on the post game show, and a lot of what people say is you need to use his athleticism uh, and his, his feet as, as a threat. And he is, uh, you know, quick. But I was not blown away by how athletic Taquan Roberson was on Saturday. I, you know, I think truthful, truthfully, that's gonna, it's going to be a part of it because it's going to be part of the offense until James Franklin uh, either retires or moves on from Penn State. The quarterback, the run game, that they're going to be married together. But I don't know that he's this athlete that is going to put up Sean Clifford numbers as far as a runner. So that's, right. to me, really the, the, the fine line is he's got a strong arm. And he seems uncomfortable in the pocket and his mechanics seem a little bit robotic. That's really what you're working. To me, that's really the sticking point is what are you designing on uh, the passing side? And again, this is where you're right. Mike, you're going to have to make his money of what are the things as a passer he does well that you can accentuate because even down to the drops, I think the ball comes out harder from his hand, which you can use if you can get him to find the window and throw it in there. Yeah, but I mean... the reasons for optimism or pessimism are that bullet fast throw yeah. is what Brenton strange is probably going to argue right now is the reason why he dropped those passes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, uh, you know, so figuring out touch, figuring out, um, you know, those different elements I think are, are things that, that Roberson is, is still in the process of doing. I, I just, I just keep returning to the same point, which is most college quarterbacks aren't that good. And you can win. There is an opportunity to win football games without a perfectly polished asset as a quarterback at that position. It It is a, a wildly beneficial thing to have that in that position. No doubt about it. And that's why Sean Clifford was so good for them this mm-hmm. season that's that that is what he brought to the table he brought a maturity and he made plays and he and he could complete passes he wasn't perfect but he he did yeah. a lot of those things well okay you, you don't have that now or you might not have that now uh we're assuming that you don't have that now for at least a little while you can there are still ways for you to win the game by not turning the football over not having three procedural penalties in a row. Yeah. 
don't <laughs> like, like, g- get back to not beating yourself. That's don't be a, your, yeah. Don't don't beat yourself. Don't beat yourself. And and I, I think that that's what you saw that Penn State did last year. Because guess what? <laughs> Penn State had a horrible quarterback last year. Yeah, he happens to be the same guy. <laughs> that's a that, great way to put it. <laughs> that that is very good this year. But they had yeah. a bad quarterback last year. He just wasn't he wasn't a good headspace. He didn't play as well as he could have. He created more problems than he fixed. So but once uh, he changed, once the once the switch flipped and started playing a different brand of football, uh that was a that was a winning formula for Penn State. So uh one quick note and then a couple questions. It's not the same second half of the season it was last year, which was a big part of that. They played totally. better, but they played worse teams. And yep. one of those coin flip games against Michigan, they're a team that didn't have an offense. I, I haven't really looked at them this year in depth, but when I watched them at Wisconsin, didn't necessarily think I had the trick play. Outside of the trick plays, they were particularly great offensively. But that team, Michigan State's a very different team this year. So you're yep. going to have to have guys playing above average football. And that's going to get into the guys around Taquan Roberson on offense. We spent a lot of time on the offense because obviously that's where we need to spend our time. A little bit more here before I want to get onto some other stuff. Has Parker Washington taken the step forward that you had expected this year? Uh, that's a good question. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I would say at times, uh, I, I mean, look, like, Inconsistency is something that I expect out of young players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I understand that he's got a lot of experience now, but uh, I, I don't, I just think that there are times where like, is he suffering from like a rash of drops? I, I don't know necessarily. I don't, I don't know if that's the case. Uh, you probably have the numbers. Um, I believe he's only had two or three. I don't have them yeah. in front of me right now, but I'll look that up. Yeah. So, but, but I don't think, I don't think that's necessarily, um, an issue. I just think that at that position in particular, it is, can you duplicate the motion, right? Can you duplicate the effort every single time that you run a rep? And that's hard to do. That's that's a very challenging thing. So, uh, has he, has he developed like exceptionally well has he has he broken into this star i don't think so but i'm not gonna uh say that he's precluded from from doing that that's that's not still on the table for him yeah he has two drops so far this season uh seven and this is where i thought he'd be a little bit better i thought there'd be more of this a lot of his yards after the catch came in one single game against villanova but he has not been a tackle breaker the way I expected. He's, his average depth of target is seven yards. So yep. he's expected, if, you're the, if, if you are a receiver, about 10 yards of reception because you don't get the same volume, unless you're Jahan Dotson, as a running back. So you're expected to be more efficient with the football. He is right now averaging 12 and a, uh, almost 13 yards of catch. But a lot of that, again, came when he averaged 29 yards a catch against Villanova. So far right. this season, only twice, Wisconsin and Indiana, has he averaged more than 10 yards a catch. So he's not breaking tackles and getting yards after he's got the ball in his hands, which is something he did in spades last year. So to me, I'm a little surprised that that part hasn't developed. And that's a, another thing that the uh, same conversation 
about the tight ends and Bretton Strange, especially Bretton Strange. That's one area where if you're going to rely on a short passing attack and being a little bit more formulaic, a little bit more paint-by-numbers by by your passing game, guys like Parker Washington and uh, Bretton Strange have to step up, and they have to be more consistent after the catch in getting those explosive plays. You're not going to get the Jahan Dotson, a ton of Jahan Dotson 20 yards down the field, which he hadn't been getting anyway. Like that's that's the other thing is Penn State had not been consistent in their deep game this year. So yep. I guess that's that's where I'm looking at is where are you finding more efficiency in the offense? And Washington, Strange, Theo Johnson, those guys I think have to play a little bit better in the second half of the season. Yeah, no, I think I think that's totally fair. And and I think if it's actually funny that you mentioned it because yesterday we did um, a, a little roundtable with Dave Eckert and Greg Pickle. And it was one of the questions like was what's the biggest surprise from Penn State's offense so far this season? And to me, it's not that they didn't complete more deep passes, which they really have not completed very many deep passes, but the explosiveness in general of Penn State's offense, I don't think has risen to the level that it was anticipated that it would be or that it's capable of being. Meaning exactly what you're saying, broken tackles. Uh, beating someone in space, those those things, Penn State has athletes who are dynamic and capable mm-hmm. of, of doing that. And you just, you haven't seen a whole ton of that this season. Um, is it going to flip overnight? I don't know about that, but I still think that against most of the competition that Penn State will face, that is a, a critical ingredient. <laughs> Because yeah. you only you only need a few of them. Like it, it's almost uh, along the lines of what was happening there in the third quarter for Penn State at Iowa was a touchdown on the on the one offensive possession. Right, they had ten yeah. not non garbage possessions. They had ten non garbage possessions. One of them moved into Iowa territory. Yep, they got a field goal out of it. Yep, you need it. You need a touchdown there. Touchdown yeah. wins you. The, touchdown wins you the football game. Yeah, yeah. If if they had if they had managed four more points, that would have been a win, and that's where Penn State is going to. That the the it feels like with this team, and this is kind of my feeling about what the first half of the season meant to me is everything went right. So they were fine. They were playing complimentary football. The defense was getting turnovers and timely pass breakups, and maybe they were a little leaky in run defense, but they were getting stops. They were getting tackles for loss and no gain. They were making plays on the other side of the ball. So they were covering up some of their deficiencies, which is what you're supposed to do. They're accentuating their strengths. And the, the development of Sean Clifford was that he was able to make teams pay for taking away Jahan Dotson in the deep ball. Because after week one, teams played two high safeties against this team. They, they, they really did. Nobody wanted to give up the deep ball knowing what the defense for Penn State was capable of. So, again, the, the, the story became we're not afraid of their running game and we'll make Sean Clifford dink and dunk. That is going to change now. So how does that change this team? Because you're right. The identity, everything was kind of precarious, but it was good. And we've seen the thinness of how su- that success was built on of all the good players are playing well, and I believe you said that at the beginning of the season, is have your good players play well, and that's what they had. That's what they had. Now, in the first game where it didn't fully work out, they lose that game barely, and now they got to find a new way to win. And and it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But but 
again, this is, I mean, I, I hate to be the optimist for Penn State's behalf here, but with every hand that they had tied behind their back and nobody playing well, they lost by three in oh, yeah. arguably the second toughest environment in the Big Ten. Uh, so, Of which the opposing offense had six drives starting at or near midfield out of the 11 once the backup quarterback came in. And, right. and and the flip was true for the for the defense or for for their defense. They started at their own goal line. They started the opponent's goal line the entire time. And 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 look, like it it is not talked about enough. That punter was out of his mind. Yeah. He, he, not not only is he an awesome punter who does this all the time, but <laughs> I always say this about uh basketball. It's that's one of those things uh from from Penn State hoops where Right, the opponent in Penn State hoops always makes the three. Yeah. Right. It's always open, but then they always make it. Yeah. You don't have to make it. <laughs> you don't that doesn't yeah. that doesn't have to happen, right? People miss open shots. Punters who are excellent don't always land the football inside the five yard line. Or if they do, Just, sometimes they get a bad bounce and it goes into the end zone. Like the ball is not a sphere. It's not going to die like a, a a golf shot on a on a really really wet green. Correct. And so he didn't have to have that great of a game, but he did. Yeah. <laughs> but he did, and that that hurt Penn State more than you can imagine. I, I mean, and not more than you can imagine. We literally talked about this going into the game that, and we were talking about it on Penn State's behalf because we were talking about. Uh, Jordan Stout and what his impact can be, but the numbers are clear. You have no chance of scoring if you start with the football inside your 10-yard line. Even it Sean is... Clifford didn't do it. Correct. It's science. Yeah. <laughs> it's science. You're not going to do it. It's, yeah. It is incredibly rare. Penn State would have had wins, and like literally it, it would have been a, a success for Penn State to have generated one first down two first downs out of any of those circumstances. Yeah. That is that is a, an, an accomplishment. It's not driving 99 yards to score a touchdown. It's can you move the ball to the 25 so that you can punt and flip field position to their other 25 or yeah. to the 20-yard line? They couldn't do that. But I don't expect them to be in those situations so consistently moving forward. And so I'm not, I can't, I can't sit here and say like, oh, Taquan Roberson is a lost cause or that Penn State's offense is a lost cause. I just think so many of those elements are going to change, certainly against Illinois at Beaver Stadium, but even moving forward, even, even Ohio, I mean, Ohio State, look, it's going to be, that is an uphill climb if Sean Clifford is not available. It's yeah. already an uphill climb. It's already, it, it, yep. <laughs> it's already yep. crazy impossible. However, their odds and opportunities to have success in those circumstances will change dramatically if they're not starting with the ball at their own eight. Yeah. A uh, quick break here before we shift to some, maybe some more fun stuff, something a little bit more upbeat for Penn State football fans. Uh, visit bluewhiteillustrated.com for the latest Penn State football and recruiting news. Join us on the Lions Den Premium Forum for more insider info as well. And uh, Nate's been dealing with, 
on the Lions Den board. He's been doing a great job this week in particular. So if you want to get that insider information, if you want to get more stuff, more knowledge, if you want to know exactly what's wrong with Sean Clifford and which of the ribs it is, I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, you got to be a, a Lions Den insider. Also, the October issue is on newsstands of Blue White Illustrated Features, Penn State's Freaks List, other exclusive content. Learn more at bluewhiteonline.com or by calling customer service. 800-421-7751. I left out the one because I figured if you're an adult, you know 1-800-421-7751. And of course, if you're watching here on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube page, youtube.com backslash blue white illustrated and tell your friends. We're doing all kinds of cool stuff. I fixed the Penn State running game earlier this week. Uh, we're giving yeah. you midseason projections about how they're going to win going forward. You get it all here from the BWI Daily Edition. Uh, Nate. Mid-season awards. Let's do it. Do, hang on a second. Do ribs have numbers? Like the spine? I don't know. Like your L4 or your medial uh, S9? I don't actually know. Can you imagine? Like, yeah, he broke rib four. <laughs> I'm sure it has some Latin root. It's not going to be like number four. Like you're ordering no. at Wendy's. <laughs> yeah, I'll have the... <laughs> The four and the five. Yeah. Broken. Done. I, all I know is there's the floating rib. That's the only one I'm aware of as to the actual name of it. And I don't, that's probably not even, that's just what it's called. I don't know if that's even the proper one. Um, so midseason awards time. Let's get on yeah, our, yeah. Uh, our doublets and get on our top hats. And I am, yeah, yeah. I'm like a cartoon reference for what fancy people wear. Uh, top hats. Top hats, yeah. Well, I guess I was thinking of the Met Gala. Uh, if you want to put a champagne bottle uh, suit on so you look like you're a champagne bottle or something, I don't know. Uh, Crushing it, T. Frank. I'm Keep killing going. it. I, yeah. I want more. The imagery right now, how about uh, you're going to show up as... Um, you're going to show up as a commentary on urban food deserts. <laughs> Yeah, put on that suit. Or maybe just a tux. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever anyway, works. Whatever take, gets the job done. Take three. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mid-season awards. <laughs> Who's your offensive MVP? Sean Clifford. Even yeah. though Jahan Dotson is a better player, uh, look, like you got to have a good quarterback, and Sean was a good quarterback for five, five games in one quarter. And, um, you know, for Penn State uh, – to to not be able like if there was any doubt you saw that in the second half of that game yeah and not only the second half you saw it as soon as as Robertson came in I mean the, the wheels just came off very very quickly and so your MVP is the guy who uh, right the straw that stirs the drink mm-hmm. that's that's Sean Clifford no I doubt. because we can't have the same one I would agree with you because you got to operate the offense and he did and he did he he was the catalyst for what was happening but the reason he was the catalyst to me is because after week one every team was trying to take away Jahan Dotson and sure. just so that we don't have the same one I'm going to go with Jahan Dotson and this is an interesting thing something I'm going to ask James Franklin tonight I think is how do you quantify one of those like gravity players because We've seen it in the past of guys that the other team keys on. And it's not always just that it's your best player. You know, it's not. So usually your best player is the guy everyone keys on. But only certain guys change the game for the defense where they will absolutely not let X happen and allow other things to happen instead of just paying more attention to a guy. Jahan Dotson was getting that level of respect from teams 
where and it might just be part of it was that they were playing teams that played zones with soft coverage and that's how they wanted to play but also they absolutely made sure that Penn State did not throw the deep ball and were they they didn't give them a lot of opportunities and when they did that was the disconnect between Sean Clifford and Jahan Dotson but but to me the way he changed the game just because he doesn't look like a, a Chris Godwin or an Allen Robinson doesn't mean he's not a number one wide receiver that was changing the mathematics for the other team. And that's kind of why I would go with him. And Sean Clifford in that environment then operated the offense and was successful. Uh, so defensive MVP, who's your def- defensive MVP? I'm I'm going with Mustafer. I'm curious to hear what your answer is. So Mustafer is a good one. I would still, I would lean towards Jaquan Brisker because I feel like he and Joey Porter Jr. in particular, and really that defensive secondary as a as a whole, has given Brent Pry the the freedom to be a little more aggressive. With and this is something I've been kind of looking at for a while. When they would zone blitz in the past, they'd play soft coverage so they didn't get beat deep. And it's not to say no one is ever just one thing. So it's not like they only did that in the past. They would also play man coverage from time to time. But this year, especially when they play man coverage, it is suffocating. You you have to yep. do something schematically. Iowa did a couple things schematically to get away from it. But I really think that the key to that was brisker and, and is brisker and his ability to take away, uh, you know, options that teams would go to if you're playing, playing press coverage on receivers. He has, he has been a huge part of that. His intelligence to break on the football is, is amazing. It, you know, I know that he was a little disappointed in himself that he didn't bring in that interception where he got a PBU playing deep free safety on the far sideline. Again, you're a first-round pick if you make that play. I think he is anyway, but he he batted the ball away, and he thought he could get an interception. His no. his next-level abilities as a, as a player to break on things that aren't necessarily in the defensive structure. So Penn State doesn't play match zones. They drop to a spot, and they play that area of the football field. So they don't do a lot of, you know, if this guy comes through my area, I'm going to take him. Brisker's sort of breaking those rules where if he sees it, he goes and gets it. And and that is how you make plays. So I, I would go with with Jaquan Brisker, even though PJ Mustafer is the reason they're in these situations where he's getting stops and tackles for loss. But the difference is we've had that in the past and viewed that from the Penn State defense. You haven't had a Brisker on the back end that is making game changing plays. I I want to amend my answer. Okay. To uh a cop out and say the entirety of the defensive line. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it has been a, a team effort there. Uh, I just like Ebiketti, Ebiketti has to have a nod. Right. Yep. And I think Jesse Lucetta, who didn't have a spring practice and change positions uh, has to be acknowledged in some way as yeah. well. So he, he's another guy. And I don't mean this in a negative way that Penn state needs f- more from in the future, because sure. if, if what you're talking about is they have to be lights out on defense, they do need more productivity from their pass rush. And he's the guy with the skills to do it. He was making, there was, so the Daquan Hardy pass uh, interference play on both ends of that play, Penn state won the rep where Hardy's in position. He just doesn't look back. And that's a call you're going to get if you don't look back. So that's on you. But the, the, you know, he was working his hand around the receiver so that he wasn't called for pass interference. But then the last second he double clutched and played the receiver, not the ball 
On the front end of that, P.J. Mustafer deked out the tackle so badly that the tackle fell over and then tripped him on the way to the quarterback. So he needs to play more of those and finish those reps because if if they have a tandem of guys that can get to the quarterback, the secondary can eat and they can get those they can get those interceptions and be the lights out unit that they need to be. Totally. No, that's, I mean, that's like, right. Like that's the formula is yeah. create, create, they're going to have to create even more. And that's something that had already made a major turn from last year to this. But I think it's something that they would probably acknowledge can be accentuated even further. Yeah. And staying off the field. Like that is one thing to, to get fewer reps and be higher energy in those reps so that you don't get worn down as the season and the game goes on. Most improved yep. player on offense for you. Uh, hang on. Let me. Pull it up. Who did I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went with a real curveball here. I said Jahan Dotson. Oh, because, okay. I know, I know, right? Really, uh, really shaking things up here. No, I just I thought he was good last year, but I think he's been exceptional this year. And mm-hmm. so, like, if and I mean, obviously, I guess Clifford could probably take that as well. But um, I just think that that Dotson's catch radius has changed dramatically and is something that is uh, an absolute weapon for Penn state to have in its arsenal at 15 catches uh, in behind the line of scrimmage this year has led the big 10 so far. So he is the Penn state receiving game and the Penn state rushing game. So he is shouldering a big load for the offense so far. Um, I, I you, you make a really good point with Clifford. And to not be obvious, because he is the obvious answer, I think, but I'll go with, it's still happening, but I'm seeing the light come on for Juice Scruggs. Uh, As a pass blocker and as a run blocker, he was not good at run blocking to start the year. He was struggling to get to his assignments, but as the season has gone on, I think he's gotten better, and he might end up being Penn State's best offensive lineman by the end of the season if Rasheed Walker doesn't work himself out of the funk he's in right now because Scruggs is athletic, he's strong. Everything we saw last year is correct. It's just, you know, now that he's asked to do it the entire season against every form of opponent, it's taken a little bit of time for him to really have the light come on. This second half of the season, I'm expecting him to play better as long as he's not put in bad situations by the offense uh defensive player most improved defensive player to you is penn state's only given up nine sacks so far this season yeah in, in six games like that's pretty good yeah um, part of that is clifford by the way of eluding pressure and and making sure he gets out of the pocket but yeah they've done a, a really good job on the interior especially of being pass blockers um, yeah, so most improved on defense. I picked Curtis Jacobs, and I think maybe you'll back me up on that. Joey Porter could probably be yeah in the conversation there, but um, no, I think I think Curtis Jacobs for his first time as a as a starting starter, right? Like guy, yeah, not not an end of the season last resort starter, but a starting starter because he yeah. won the job. Um, <laughs> the the reason think, you're out there is you won it, not by default, right? So no, I think I think I think Jacobs has had uh, a pretty good year so far this season, and that would indicate having grown really and developed. Yeah. You know, obviously from last year, uh, he is the most developed so far this season, especially the way he played. What we saw in this game uh, last week against Iowa is what I saw during the scrimmages this spring of a guy that was playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage consistently, both as a run defender and as a pass rusher. And we knew, based on what we saw last year, that his ability in coverage was exceptional. 
took a little bit. And again, when the when it's for real, that Sam linebacker position is so hard. You're going to give up yards. You're just going to because you're playing against receivers. And as much as you may have safety skills, you are a linebacker if you're playing in the slot. Uh, so he he has improved this season. I think overall from last year to this year, I would go with Joey Porter Jr. He's turning into a lockdown corner. His anticipation, his downhill abilities, his physicality, his length, they're all showing up now. So I would go with Joey Porter Jr. But Curtis Jacobs, I, I've been excited to watch him play since last year for the light to come on because he can be, I, I mean, we talked about this on the daily to begin the season. He can be a guy that can make plays at every level of the field, behind the line of scrimmage, in the box and in coverage, so you you pick the, you pick the best one as far as the one that's going to make the most exciting plays. I did uh, it. <laughs> uh, uh, team MVP. I, I'm sticking with Clifford. Um, uh, I'm sure there are other possibilities out there. Dotson probably counts. Brisker probably counts. But yeah, I'm going with Clifford just because I think that that I mean, obviously, it's the most important position on the field to begin with, but the way that he handled it this year coming off of last year and everything that was wrapped into last year, I think demanded a huge effort. It it demanded a humbling. It demanded a personal reset that not a lot of guys can do. I mean, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of, and I mean, certainly we've seen some of them, even at Penn state who have success then don't have success and can't ever really get it back. Yeah. And for him to have had that trajectory where he had success, he had a lot of horrible, bad things happen during the 2020 season. And then to emerge from that and play as well as he did. Yeah. I'll I'll give it to him. So not to be too dramatic about it, but it is very, it is very um, storytelling of how, Sean Clifford's career is gone of a guy who came in as a true freshman and or uh, redshirt freshman showed a ton of promise in some limited starts does not go well his first year from a personal perspective as far as his play and then uh, tailspin last year right and he's always been a guy that wants it so badly. You can see it in his demeanor when you talk to him, the look in his eye, the way he plays. He wants to be great so badly. And the thing that he had to overcome was himself. And he this year he did that. He played like a guy who would overcome the downside of wanting it so bad, of pressing, of trying too hard. He, he had overcome that and to go out like this, I'm rooting for him to come back and have a good season so his career can continue so that he can go where he wants to go as a football player. Because when you have a story like that, it's hard not to root for a guy that has overcome the hardest thing. Your your own nature is the hardest thing for you to overcome, truthfully. Uh, so I would the obvious answer is obvious in this one, and, and Sean Clifford is the team MVP. So I'm, I'm with you completely on that one. Uh, special teams MVP. That was dramatic, but I liked it. It yeah. was... <laughs> It was. It set the right tone. He I literally felt like it was. I felt like it was a season of Friday Night Lights that I was describing. He he and I will continue to to bring this up. I've written about it probably seven times since uh, when he said it in the summer. But he literally called it the hero's journey. <laughs> 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 
in June, I think maybe it was that I that I had an interview with him. And so, yeah, like the hero's journey for Sean Clifford is still in progress with another setback that uh, we'll see if he can overcome. Special teams MVP Jordan Stout. It's uh, and and I would actually make the argument here that Penn State has been very good in its kick teams yeah. in general, right? Like there is virtually no kickoff return. There is virtually no punt return against Penn State. Uh, however, and this is a note that you didn't ask for. I think that the return game is could be more. It, yeah, there, there, there. It could bring more to the field for Penn State. Um, you know, I, I don't know if the again the way that the circumstances have changed will maybe change the dynamic there to where it becomes more of an emphasis, right? Where Jahan Dotson has uh, instruction that goes beyond. Because I again, again, um, I talked to Joe Lorig in the summer, and he laid out maintaining possession of the football as their top priority. That's yeah. it. That's like that's their job as a return unit is to not give the football away and to not inflict penalties upon themselves. You don't want to move backwards. Yeah. Obviously yeah. these these are these are very obvious things, but I'm just saying that's the priority. Before number 3, which is to generate a positive return, are don't lose the football and don't move backwards. Yeah. I think I think that if Penn State's offense is in a little bit of a bind, then that changes then that that becomes more of a okay well uh this is this is something that you need to start producing a little bit more in. yeah so far this season guys that have fielded kickoffs include uh john lovett devin ford and parker washington was back there last week to fair catch a, field, a, a kickoff so and you're right i would say i, I just want to give props to aj Litton for being very good as a gunner uh yep he was not at all wrong in the wisconsin game he he played that perfectly. He was he's been awesome with those impact plays of getting there and for a guy that transferred from Florida State is taking a a major step back in what he I guess could have been. I don't I don't really know what the plan for him was at corner, but a guy that is is, you know, taking on the role of special teams player very well, you know, a super talented, super fast player and to have that ability on special teams is is an asset but you know Jordan Stout literally is 90% of what they do on special teams so there's he's also just special teams like not even MVP he's just the special teams uh best play of the season to you so far uh so I think Brisker's interception at Wisconsin to kind of I mean it didn't end the game but it more or less ended the game Wisconsin certainly had an opportunity it now granted I'm gonna immediately argue against myself and say that that pass was never going to be completed in the mm -hmm. first place but to have intercepted it and then swung field position it it was the opening domino to them establishing the success and establishing a confidence that I think has carried through in the time since um you know that that was yeah, that wins it for me. I just like dope catches and John Dotson against Auburn catching a ball behind him and too high in front of him at the same time uh, and, and basically looking like he had jumped off a platform to get there like he was like it wasn't hard it wasn't like he was jumping and contorting his body in the air backwards just his his ability you said his catch radius and, and all of those things it's just it that's what I love about football 
watching cool stuff and athletes doing crazy things. So you're right. The, the, the best play probably was, was the brisker interception rather than just a third down conversion against Auburn, but it was super cool. <laughs> I like super cool stuff. Yeah, I, I enjoy, I, it's funny that you mentioned it. I, uh, we're always talked about like rooting interests and right. Like that just gets beaten out of you in this job. Right. Like yeah. I, I, it does not matter to me whether or not Penn state wins or loses, uh, op- opponents winning or losing. I, I don't follow sport. Like I don't have, I'm not a fan. I, 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 that's dead and it's buried. I'm never going back. However, watching people accomplish things that they work really, really hard to get and to do yeah. is person is personally gratifying. It, it is fun to watch people make those strides, make those developments and then make those plays. Um, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the team is, but obviously I cover Penn state football. So yeah, seeing John Dotson go from a guy who was really good last season to a guy who's exceptional this season and makes those kinds of plays. Yeah, it's fun to watch. No doubt about it. So we're going to wrap up here. Those are, uh, did I miss anything? Did, did I miss any sort of category for uh, you know, midseason awards? Yeah, like um, you didn't ask who the worst fans are. Um, I'm going to cut your mic off because I don't want to get, I mean, I guess if we went viral, that'd be fine, but I don't want to talk about that anymore. That has been the most annoying part of my week. <laughs> yeah. You didn't. You didn't bring up worst play. Um, yeah. No. Best injury. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't know. All right. Uh, any other things you're thinking about this week going into uh, a bye week? You know, going into a, ge- a weekend with no games. Anything you're thinking about this week that uh, maybe uh, we haven't talked about? Yeah, I'm looking forward to not watching a second of college football on Saturday. That's. That is what I'm thinking about currently. Yeah. Um, no, my my brain is shot. I'm looking forward to coming back uh, to coverage for Penn State. I mean, obviously, we're going to have practice coverage tonight. And then, um, you know, and then Monday of next week kicks into Illinois and we're back. But, yep. um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a I think it's a nice opportunity for a reset. Um, nobody cares about me personally, but I'm just saying <laughs> – the way that this falls right now coming off of a game that was as loaded yeah. with subtext and backstory and so much that that was involved in that um yeah i think it's i think it's a, a an appropriate time for a bye weekend i think penn state fans might just agree with you by the fact they've had three big games so far this season out of out of the six like it's well, been a game it's been a season of big games to start the year Somebody, somebody even said it on our message board that they personally are exhausted. Yeah, from from the from the start of the season, like they they emotionally, uh, psychologically can't handle, or not that they couldn't handle it, but it's it's just it's been exhausting. Plus uh, two night games, extent. man. I mean, night games take it out of you. Yeah, it's 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 been a lot. And there's a natural reset now. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get we'll get back into it next week. So speaking of reset, speaking of time off, you want to come back tomorrow? We'll talk about practice. Yep. yep. I cannot wait. I hope that there is some um, some interesting things to view from the developmental squad tonight. We'll see. This should be fun. We'll give you all the information tomorrow on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. That is Nate Bauer, senior editor. And we will talk to you tomorrow. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and wherever you get podcasts.